as people who are leading a church, pastors and leaders, I pray that they do have that compassion. I think that's part of being a good pastor is being compassionate and tenderhearted to the needs in the in the church, right? So I pray that's one of the giftings that the pastor has. But the other things I think you can teach. You can teach how to be a good listener. You can teach how to ask the proper questions, to probe a little bit deeper. And you can teach people how to use their Bible in a biblical way for counseling and allow the Holy Spirit to to do the thing the Holy Spirit does, is bring things up to the surface and let Him change these things. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 307. The voice that you heard is a voice that has been on the podcast before. In fact, this very episode has been played earlier in 2023, but I'm taking a few weeks off of the podcast, and so I've been re-releasing our most listened to episodes um, once again at the end of the year. So this is our second most listened to episode of all of 2023, and I thought... If it's good enough for you to enjoy it once, you'll probably enjoy it again, or this might find even new listeners and new hearers. I have a great conversation with Krista Fox about trauma and what it means, what it doesn't mean, and then what are the opportunities that preachers have in our public teaching to create a a safe environment that allows for growth. There are limitations to what can be done in the pulpit, but there also are great opportunities. And Krista and I have a very, very good conversation about these things. In in the time that's lapsed since this, uh, myself and Krista have kept in touch and I've actually been asked to join the board of Dia Gratia Ministries or to, to help expand the, the mission of applied care for trauma. And that's something that's, uh, you know, deep in my heart. And I'm, I'm glad to be able to contribute to this type of stuff going farther and wider. So a special overlap, a uh, concern that each of us care about. There'll be information in the show, show notes uh, about how you can find out more about Dia Gratia or also about a, applied care for trauma. You know, all of this is sort of in the, the ecosystem of Calvary Global Network. Uh, Calvary Global Network is a family of churches that is devoted towards gospel proclamation, planting churches, and making disciples. And this type of thing is something that we're all about. Uh, before the episode plays, I want to invite you to consider giving towards Calvary Global Network as part of your year-end generosity. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. I'm with Dr. Krista Fox? No, just Krista Fox. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because you're humble or because you haven't earned it yet? Because I haven't earned it yet. (laughs) But I hope it's later because I'm humble. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, hey, Krista, um, we always start these conversations by just asking about your first time teaching the Bible. Mm -hmm. Uh, When's the first time that you've opened God's Word and taught it in public? Oh, my gosh. I think it was, I want to say maybe 14 years ago or so, we were... We had to help plant a church in our city of Colorado, and the pastor's wife there, she invited me to teach a session at the women's retreat we were going on. 
And I didn't had I didn't grow up in a church, and so I don't even think I've been on a women's retreat ever. Mm-hmm. And so then I was asked to teach it, and I think it was Psalm. I think it was Psalm one thirty nine, and I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea. Never been on a women's retreat. Didn't know how women taught the Bible or mm-hmm. if it was any different. Had just been saved a few years. Mm-hmm. Had no idea. I cried um, a good portion before the session. Okay. And then my voice broke like halfway, all the way through it because I was so nervous. Yeah. And that was my first experience <laughs> teaching it. <laughs> yeah. How, how, what kind of feedback did you get afterwards? I really don't know. I think they more were trying to like give me some encouragement because I was clearly very nervous. Yeah. And so probably not much. Okay. You know, well, here's a question for you. How do women's retreats teach the Bible? And how, is it different than what you'd experience on most Sunday mornings? Um, I don't know about now, but then I felt like it was. Okay. I felt like it was maybe a little bit lighter. Okay. The topics kind of all seemed to revolve around the same kind of thing. Okay. And a little fluffy. Okay. And so, yes. I think so. I okay. hope it's different now. I haven't been on a women's retreat in a while, but yeah. I think it's different. It should be different now. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, how have... Okay, so that's maybe... We, we've speculated about the content of women's retreats over the years. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what, what we can ask for sure is like, how have you grown since then? So yeah. how, how many years ago was that? I want to say 14, 15 years ago. Okay. Um, we've been in ministry about that long. Um at the time, I was assistant pastor's wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I haven't had any training on how to teach the Bible. Um, what I've been doing over the years and what has really helped me is listening to different people teach the Bible. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, for a long time, because uh, I was saved in a Calvary, I listened to just kind of only Calvary pastors for many, many years. And then when we went to the mission field, I began to like expand my my listening. And so I listened to a bunch of different preachers and I listened to women teachers. Elizabeth Elliott has really, really great teachings mm-hmm. recorded online. Mm-hmm. Um, and Graham Lotz, you know, I listened to John Piper, Timothy Keller, Alistair Begg, and because I like their perspective and how they teach and how they do things. And I've kind of tried to find my voice in these things. And I think yeah. that's been the most important thing. I, I cannot model, I can't model, how I teach versus on other people because my teaching style is not that way. And that's not really my personality, but I did try for a long time. I did try to model kind of what I heard a lot of the pastors, especially in the Calvary's, how they were teach. Mm -hmm. And it just wasn't fitting. It seemed really fake. And so I just decided I was going to be real and teach what the Lord put on my heart, how he put on my heart. And I kind of just real, really, um, liked how Elizabeth Elliot taught. She just taught like if you were sitting with her, mm-hmm. like in a room and she's just talking to you. And so that's kind of how I, my teaching style. Yeah, I've only heard one of her messages and it was on humility. And mm-hmm. I really, yeah, there's a, a real approachability yeah. uh, to that one teaching anyway, but you're yeah. saying that's predictable they're all like that the ones that i heard i'm like geez it just sounds like i'm sitting there with her and she's just talking to me about things that she's learned about the lord things of the bible and and i just found that's really great and then i've also really given myself a break because i'm not a theologian necessarily trained in this i haven't gone to bible college and i haven't 
study that way. And so for a long time, I think I put pressure on myself to have to know everything. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I don't know all of this. And I'm not studied in that way. Um, so I try and be real. And that has helped a lot. Yeah. You mentioned finding your own voice. How has listening to like diverse people who are more and more different than you, you know, mm-hmm. you're from what I know of you, you're not very John Piper-esque, you know, mm-hmm. um, but how has listening to these different kinds of voices helped you kind of funnel down to your own? Well, I think it's really challenging. So like John Piper is very challenging to listen to. He challenges you on a spiritual level mm-hmm. and I really enjoy listening to him, but um, it is challenging. And so I don't have that style necessarily. Um and so, yeah, it's kind of funneled in. So I can take some things that I really like and adapt it. One of the things about Timothy Keller that I love, when I listen to his messages, regardless of what he teaches, he's always sharing the gospel at the end. Mm-hmm. And he always ties it back. And so everything that my husband and I have done in the ministry and in mission work is tie it back to the gospel message. And he's such a great example of whatever you're teaching, wherever in the Bible, mm-hmm. whatever example that he just he does it so easy. You know, it yeah. was it's such an easy transition. So I kind of take taken some of these things and um, try to adapt them in a way that I'm able to do it. Yeah. Well, that's that's great. And and now to kind of transition from from that to something that I know that's really important to you. Um, you are launching a ministry or or focusing your current ministry um, towards something called Applied Care for Trauma. Would mm-hmm. you like to maybe explain what that is or that sure. the beginning of that ministry or where sure. we're at these days? Yeah, so that is just beginning. Um, so it will be under our ministry of the Agratia. It's one of the things that we are working on, my husband and I, and it is something yeah, close to my heart. I'm getting my doctorate in counseling focused in traumatology. I have a master's in counseling psychology and my heart has always been for the brokenhearted, mm-hmm. um, and I also have a heart for the marginalized. And so those two really have come together. So over the years of doing ministry and missions, um, my I've worked with you know a lot of marginalized individuals in prostitution, human trafficking, refugees, and there's so much trauma in that. Mm-hmm. So that kind of came from my work that I was doing on the mission field. But it's expanded because who doesn't have trauma or crisis or brokenness in their lives? And so my heart, and I also have a heart for women. And so putting these things together, I just was thinking, Lord, we just really need to have something for churches. And so this is when the idea of applied care for trauma came about. How can we help churches, pastors, individuals in ministry, or whoever, help those who are hurting. And so that is the idea behind Applied Care for Trauma, that we can equip those um, to, to do it well, you know, to be good counselors. You don't have to have those degrees. You don't have to have all these special training, but you should know, you know, and how to do some of this stuff. You should know how to ask the right questions, how to listen well, how to apply biblical concepts to it, and just, you know, really how to be quiet when you need to be quiet, and how to have empathy and compassion. Those things come natural to some people, but then some other people, they don't. Mm-hmm. And so I really hope with um, Applied Care for Trauma, or ACT, you know. ACT. ACT, that it's something <clears throat> that will be used as a training tool for churches. 
And so that's what I'm developing now. I have something that I've been using over the years that actually came out of my work with individuals for prevention of human trafficking, looking at vulnerability in the heart and things like that. And it's grown into hurting individuals, looking at their past, what's Mm. happening in their present, things that they haven't taken care of. Very biblical, very applicable, very simple. Um, And so there's a training on that, training on how to counsel, just counseling basics, training churches on how to respond to depression and suicide. And so I'm really hoping and praying that as people begin to see the resources, then we can plug these trainings into them and they can use them. You know, because it can't just be one person. It has to be the people in the churches. And, you know, that's what I hope. I hope I can go and train these pastors and their leaders, and then they can really have these long-term effects with the people that are hurting in their churches. And then it pours out, you know, and it just keeps overflowing from one person to the next person to the next person. Yeah, yeah. And oftentimes, yeah, trauma kind of is, is, is transferred or there's a kind of a cascading effect. Mm-hmm. Um, I love what you're talking about, how maybe health and wholeness can be that cascading effect mm-hmm. as well. You mentioned that some people, this comes naturally to them and then others, it, it doesn't. So does this mean that um, this type of sensitivity, this type of listening is actually a, a learned skill? Is it, is it that it's a, you're either born with it or you're not? Or do you think people can grow and learn in it? I think people can grow and learn in like the active listening skills that are needed for counseling. I think that's very teachable, Mm -hmm. you know, like be quiet. That's one of the things like literally don't say anything. Um, Watch your body language. All of these things. Oh gosh, my my legs are crossed. (laughs) Okay. And you're very very, open. He's very attentive, everybody. But um, no, but so these things that you can, you can teach these things to make a person feel more safe because when you're working with somebody that's been traumatized or hurt, and you don't, you know, when you think of trauma, it doesn't have to be just trauma that moment. We, we can talk about trauma in the past from sex abuse and things like that. But how we sit with the person, where we're looking, yeah, body language is mm-hmm. huge because we always need to create this environment of safety. Because if they don't feel safe with you, they're not going to talk to you. And what's the point of that? Mm-hmm. And so those kind of skills, these kind of easy, active listening skills, basics, counseling basics, can easily be taught. Um, how you teach somebody compassion and empathy, that's a little different. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that some people are more naturally compassionate, naturally empathetic. You know, like I said, I have a heart for the broken um, and the hurting. And that's my nature. And I think that's why it's very easy for me to work with the marginalized, like the people on the streets and, the, you know, all of that, because my heart is broken for them. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, you just find your niche in that, you know, as a past people who are leading a church, pastors and leaders, I pray that they do have that compassion. I think that's part of being a good pastor is being compassionate and tender hearted to the needs in the, in the church. Right. Yeah. Um, so I pray that's one of the giftings that the pastor has, but the other things I think you can teach and, um, you can teach how to be a good listener you can teach how to ask the proper questions, to probe a little bit deeper. Um, and you can teach people how to use their Bible in a biblical way for counseling and allow the Holy Spirit to to do the thing the Holy Spirit does, is bring things up to the surface and let Him change these things, you know? Yeah. 
on you've mentioned care for the broken and that kind of connects with like even i think the the mission statements of act mm-hmm. equipping christians to work with brokenness and trauma in their people the word brokenness and trauma they're not necessarily interchangeable, but mm-hmm. they're often next to each other. Yeah. Could you maybe explain what you mean by brokenness? And yes. then what do you mean by, by trauma? So I'm going to read the actual definition of trauma because it is different. And in crisis is different too. So we have actually have three words that we use interchangeably. Um, we have trauma, crisis, and brokenness. Usually we use brokenness in our Christian context. Yeah. But outside the Christian context, it's trauma and crisis. Okay. So trauma is exposure to an incident or series of events that are emotionally disturbing or life-threatening. And that's with adverse effects on a person's functioning, like psychological and an emotional response to something serious and life-impacting. Crisis, on the other hand, is a little different. It's extremely difficult or even a dangerous situation, and it requires us to react quickly, to adapt to something, and to minimize the harm to ourselves. There's a great, great, great quote, and I don't remember who said this, so it's not me, but... Christopher Fox quote, says. No, quote, it says, all traumas are caused by crisis, but not all crises are a result of trauma. Does that make sense? Yes. Not all crises result. All traumas are caused by crisis. And so you have to have a crisis for the trauma, but mm-hmm. you don't necessarily need a trauma for the crisis, which is a little confusing. But I think it's when the trauma comes up, it's the after effect. It's the psychological, the emotional um, responses to the exposure. Yeah. And then there's brokenness. And brokenness is just, I would say, this intense emotional pain. And in the spiritual context, you would say, and I was reading about this earlier, that brokenness is just this cr- crushed and broken spirit over sin. So we, that's what we can see in like the Christian context. And I was reading about this too and thinking about it because I've been broken in my life of different things. Mm. But I remember in particular a time just of real brokenness where the Lord brought it with me and my husband to a point right before we went to missions and it was broken but not destroyed yeah. to then be used more mightily later. And there was three ideas around brokenness. There's three different types, like this internal brokenness, the imposed brokenness, and the invited brokenness. Again, oh. I, that don't quote me that. I found that. Yeah, so, that's good. <laughs> and I was, yes. And so I was thinking about this. I'm like, okay, yes, internal brokenness. That is... That is very hard. That's that emotional pain. They impose brokenness. I kind of feel like is that stuff imposed on us, those hurts that we don't want, that's causing us this emotional pain. Probably different than a crisis, um, but maybe a little similar. And then the invited brokenness, which is crazy to think about, but that is really a great thing to consider because you invite and you ask the Lord to show you these things in your heart. And that does cause brokenness. If you truly want to be growing and being sanctified in the Lord, yeah. you should want to be broken of these sins in your past. You should, And you should be humbled by when the Lord's showing you these things in your heart that are terrible, that you need to change because that's all of us. That, I feel like, is invited, the brokenness. I know for me personally, when I'm doing devotions in the morning and reading through things, I'm always looking at my word. I'm, I'm writing. I'm a journaler in the morning. And so I write it. And then I think about 
is this saying like, is this speaking to me? Like, what does this say about my heart? And most often lately, it's telling me a lot of things I don't really like in my heart. And I'm, I'm having to face that. I'm having to look through that because I'm asking God to show me that. And so I'm inviting that brokenness. And I think people can probably go through life and not, as Christians, not invite that. Mm. But then I feel like you kind of stay at the superficial spiritual level, not really getting into your own heart. And then if we talk about counseling and hurting and trauma, how do we then help others if we haven't been broken ourselves or if we haven't invited the Lord to break us of things in our own heart? If, you know, we can't really do much about imposed brokenness, but mm-hmm. that happens to us all. And that internal brokenness, like, that causes things to change in us, or it should. And once we kind of go through these things, then we can really help others go through it. You don't have to experience all the stuff that people go through. I mean, that would be impossible. Yeah. But we do need to be spiritually like aware and ahead of some things. Um, one of my professors in graduate school years ago, he, I don't remember who, he was saying, you only can take somebody as far as you've gone yourself. And that has always stuck with me. And I think he was talking about in regards to like counseling and the work that you've done in your heart and the things that you've overcome. But I think that's spiritually too. And it's true. You can't make, take somebody further along the journey if you've never actually been there yourself. Sure. And whatever that looks like, it looks like different things to different people. But I, that's how I see brokenness and crisis and, trauma but you know those are just technical terms we can use whatever we want to explain our hurting you know yeah like if you come in and you're like man i just had a really bad accident like that's a crisis but i'm not gonna be like oh mike and use the word trauma (laughs) yeah yeah it doesn't really matter to me but yeah i was actually wondering okay with these different categories again which are are helpful but not not hard and fast you know Mm -hmm. um do you think every christian is broken i think every christian should have a brokenness somewhere along their journey yeah do you think every person is traumatized Mm, i don't i i don't know that's hard to tell okay i I think it's, yes, is really common, but I think in, as far as the definition, if we say in it, probably yes. not, yeah. but for sure, everybody has crisis. Okay. Yeah. You beat me to the third question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I saw there was going, but it's interesting. Like majority of people will have some type of trauma in their life, a death, an unexpected death of a loved one. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can be traumatized by watching these horrible things that are on TV, the mass shootings. So, to say have people have trauma, I think it's different for everyone how they react to the yeah. exposure with things going so, like so many shootings, so many things like that in, in the States especially. Like, yeah, people, there can be a lot of trauma. Sadly, a lot of abuse in childhood. So, yeah, I think traumas, everybody probably experienced trauma once, at least once in their yeah. life. Well, to kind of to pivot towards like the next stage of our conversation, this podcast is called Expositors Collective. It's about preachers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, could you address or or help help those of us who are like teaching and preaching to to larger or smaller groups of people? 
considering the fact that everyone's gone through a crisis, many Christians are experiencing one of those forms of, of brokenness and, a, you know, in a traumatizing atmosphere, some of whom have experienced it more acutely than others. Um, what what can the, the pulpit do to, like, address traumatized, broken, crisis-bound people um, with God's truth? What, what, what are the, the strengths and opportunities of the pulpit? Yeah. And then later on, I'll ask about the limitations of the pulpit. Okay. I think the strength, like, what pastors could do better in that is talk about it. Talk about these things, that there is hurting. Some pastors do a great job in that. Mm-hmm. Um and show in the Bible like these hurting people that give us real examples of who has been hurting, who has walked through this trauma. I always think of David, you know, I mean, lost his infant son, chased by Saul, lost, you know, a kingdom trying to be stolen by another son, mm-hmm. a, a daughter victimized of incest. Mm-hmm. Like that's trauma. And yet we don't always hear about that. Um, we hear he's a man after God's own heart, which is true, mm-hmm. 100%. But he also had all of these things. And so we can look in the Psalms when he was writing, and we can see the heart of this of, of David who was who loved the Lord, but often really had to like command his soul to worship the Lord because of his hurt. Yeah. And so I think the pulpit can do a very good job of talking about it that way. Um using the Bible teaching time when they're able to, to go deep into the suffering. I mean, suffering is everywhere. Everybody will go through suffering. And so I think just bringing awareness to that, mm-hmm. um, maybe normalizing depression and um, talking about things like that um, would be really helpful for the hurting individual. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I read an article by Ann Turner, and she was speaking about, yeah, trauma-aware preaching is what she calls. It's recognizing that, like, any congregation has in it a heterogeneous group of survivors. And, you know, some of them are doing fine, and some of them aren't doing fine. And um, saying that those who preach are preaching to trauma survivors everywhere, whether you know it or not. Yeah, yeah, I would think you can look out on your congregation and you could almost with certainty know that majority of the people have had some type of abuse in their background. Mm-hmm. Most often sex abuse, if you're yeah. looking at the women. Yep. And that's a trauma victim right there. And so you can just know that this is most often, the I think it's a minority of people that haven't gone through something like this that needs needs to be worked through. And so, yeah, we need to be able to... Well, you guys, you pastors need to be able to to say these things and reach these guys and be prepared and prepare the people in your church for it. How, how can we prepare people in our church for it? I think this when like the applied care for trauma, like the trainings and things like that or whatever you find online to train the people, mm. train yourselves to to work with them. You know, it's working with somebody who's been traumatized and takes time. It takes a relationship. Yeah. You can't just sit with somebody and expect it to be okay um, two weeks later. It's a discipleship, an act of discipleship and act of love. So it's a commitment. And, you know, creating that safety and all of that takes a lot of time. And by the time you create all that, then they begin talking with you because you want them to not feel that experience of the trauma anymore. Mm-hmm. But that's not a quick thing. Yeah. And it goes up and down. 
And so there's oftentimes a lot of frustration with people in the church. They're like, well, they're just not doing what I said to do and they're not getting better. And you're frustrated because you've spent like a couple weeks or a couple months Mm -hmm. and you're like, well, maybe they need longer. And so it really takes, you really got to count the cost on the person who's offering the help side too. Like, can you walk in this with them? You don't want to do more damage to them if you're not able to continue the process of walking them through these things or if you're in over your head as well you need to know okay i don't know how to do this you either need to get the tools or you need to send them to somebody that is able to really walk them through this yeah and that's kind of coming up like that's simultaneously it's an opportunity for bible teachers but that you're you're mentioning some of the limitations as well too Mm -hmm. that it's a it's a long process you know yeah Um, and i don't think many pastors have the time for that. And that's okay. Some people might have, but there are people in the church that could be equipped to do that. Yeah. Some of the ministry leaders or just people that have a heart for the hurting, you know, they don't have to have a title. They don't have to have a position in the Mm -hmm. church, but people, and so it takes conversations to say, to figure out, you know, who is in your church with this, how to train them, how to prepare them. It's work. Mm -hmm. It takes work. Yeah. And, and so the, the preaching moment, you know, those 35 to 45 minutes, that's not enough time no. <laughs> to do it, to do any of this. Yeah. But it is an opportunity to, I guess, yeah, give vocabulary, to articulate. This is a place where, mm. you know, in this congregation, there's multiple kinds of brokenness, um, even trauma, of course, crisis, mm. and almost set the stage for some of this other work to take place. Is mm-hmm. that what you're saying? Yeah. And it's also the time to give them hope. Hmm. Okay. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Because there, you know, sometimes there's just, and that is part of trauma counseling and doing like psychological first aid for like the first like victims of trauma after disasters is give them hope. Hmm. And that is part of the, the pulpit too. We can give them all of these things, but we need to give them hope. And our hope we know is in Jesus Christ. Hmm. And so it all ties together, you know, and we don't want anybody leaving our churches like feeling hopeless, you know, knowing like they might have this great connection of, oh, great. They heard me in my brokenness. Yes. Now what? Yes. And we yeah. forgot to say, hey, there's Jesus. Yeah. 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 Krista, that's a very good thing to include. I, I'd hate for somebody to, to listen in to the first half of this and yeah. be like, all right. So next Sunday, I got to get up in the pulpit. I got to tell everybody that I'm a sufferer, that I'm broken and that we're all broken. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the first part of it. Yeah. And that leads into Sharing the possibility the for hope. Yeah the, yeah. the gospel. And yeah, on the one hand, it's it likely won't get zapped in, in the sermon. Mm-hmm. There, there likely won't be instant fixes. It's possible, right? Yeah. Um, but usually that's not the case. Mm-hmm. And we're inviting people into a process of growth, mm-hmm. health. Um, wholeness and flourishing yeah and then i would say if pastors are doing that then have the resources if if you don't have them in your church to offer you know this long term if you want to call it counseling or discipleship Mm -hmm. um then know somebody that can yeah but know that they're doing it biblically yeah is important and then make sure they get where they need to go caring because that's you know the pastor's job they caring for the souls of the sheep sure you know if somebody's soul hurt in your church, which many are, how do you do that? Yeah. How do we do it? What do we do? Yeah. These things, training, <laughs> yeah. these things, yeah. like all of these things. Um, yeah. 
Okay, so <clears throat> opportunities, limitations, maybe just super practically, what are some some mistakes? What are some things that like, you know, what's a what's a careless way of addressing trauma from the pulpit? Um I would say, and maybe not just from the pulpit, but just okay. in in general terms, I would say yeah. maybe kind of disregarding what they're feeling okay. or assuming you know what they're feeling hmm. when you don't even, like two people can walk through a trauma at the same you know moment, the same trauma, and be impacted very differently by it. So just assuming you know like what they're feeling yeah. um, just devalues that um, or trying to give... Probably the worst thing is trying to give them the answers. You, we don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, we we had we don't have the answers. A lot of people ask why why this happened. A lot of pastors and leaders, even counselors, want to give them the answer why. We don't know why. You know, mm-hmm. and oftentimes that's just a spiritual question that they're battling, and they don't they don't want that answer. They're just processing things out loud. Yeah, and so and things that yeah just we don't it's okay to not know it's okay to not we don't have the answers and so i don't think we should assume to to know how they're feeling or what they need but for sure be helpful in these things when they're reaching out we know our bible we know what the word says we know how to apply it to these situations um i don't know why the trauma happens Mm. i don't know you know why something happened in someone's childhood versus why it didn't but i know that the lord can heal and I do know that we can walk through these things together and that I'll walk through very slowly with somebody and love them and encourage them and we'll tackle these things. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's a great, like a, a list that, like I've been really helped by Justin Holcomb. He has written a lot about like sexual assault and mm. and he has this great thing. His whole book is great, but in the end of the appendix, it was just like a list of like, never say these 10 yeah. things. And, and I'll put it into the show notes for everyone. I can't, I don't have it memorized, but it's like, you know, yeah, don't say, I understand what you're going through. Yeah. Um, and then don't be like, oh, tell me more about what happened. Yes. You know, like if anyone's going to share some details of their life, well, then we are honored to learn some of those details, mm-hmm. but it's never to, to greedily grasp for more. No. Um, that even could be, you know, what re-traumatizing mm-hmm. to have to talk about it. And so to open up a little bit. We want to appreciate that and and don't hungrily grasp for more. Yeah. Not and and when they're ready, they will share. Mm-hmm. Because at some point it is helpful for people to walk and talk through these things, but it doesn't help if you're questioning them and forcing them for details. Yeah. Like that will just yeah, like you said, it could re-traumatize. Yeah. And we have to be careful too with this, our spirituality and not to re-traumatize in that way as well. You know, um, because what, how, what do you mean? Well, because a lot of people, when they go through trauma and things, they question God. They mm-hmm. question the Bible. They question all these things. And if we walk in and just say things like, well, you know, it's God's will. And we know that God's will is always right. We know think God is the source of all these things. But we have to be very careful yeah. about what we say, especially spiritually, to not re-traumatize them then spiritually as well. So take an individual who's been abused or whatever forever for however long and then we're going to counsel them but we're 
doing it in a spiritual way that's hurting them because they we're not allowing for them to have these tough questions or this kind of fight with God because it makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're working through their trauma, but also they're kind of have maybe having some spiritual trauma because we're like, why aren't you just reading your Bible? Why aren't you just believing this? Mm. And you, why aren't you better? You know, just read this and get better. And, and now then they're like, well, I must not be a good Christian. Because mm-hmm. and and now God's mad at me yeah. and the God's this happened because I didn't do this on top of everything on top of everything yeah. else and so now they're like their whole spirituality is in question for them and they've traumatized in that and they think well God must not love me God must have left me all of these things which are just lies from Satan but as a Christian worker we have to be very careful about we have to be very mindful that we're working like in the spiritual realm with them and that that can be even more damaging than some of the stuff because we don't want to add trauma upon trauma. Mm-hmm. And I think that as pastors and like disciplers in the word in the church, helping people through, we have to be super, super careful of. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm going through a book with them. Um, to other pastors in the area called The Care of Souls by Harold mm-hmm. Sankbell. And he is a, he comes from a farming background. And then he also is, is comparing and contrasting like the, the world of the farmer and the world of the doctor and the world of the pastor. And mm-hmm. he kind of sees it as a combination of it. Mm-hmm. And that it involves like careful listening. Like I, he used the phrase like, you're listening to people in Jesus's name. Mm-hmm. And it like it inquire, requires the whole body and you're yes. listening well. And then you also, like in the back of your mind, you're kind of cataloging, like, mm-hmm. you, you can, again, as you mentioned, we know all the verses, yeah. but it's like, but what's the right verse at the right time? Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's not programmatic. It's not uh, a checklist, but it's like, as a doctor would listen to the patient mm-hmm. before making the diagnoses, we want to do those same sort of things. Yeah. And like what it sounds like he's doing is applying like those basic applied counseling principles to like being a good listener storing that information so you can ask questions later when they're ready. And then, you know, we have the great Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit living in us. And so we have this great counselor who already understands what this other person is going through. And we just, as I counsel and disciple people, I pray and I listen as hard as I can. And I just pray and just like, Lord, show me what's really going on in this person's Mm -hmm. heart. Because normally what they're saying it's it's not really what's going on and so that's when the cataloging of oh they said this here and i can save this and so next time we meet when they say something else i can dig a little deeper yeah and and then that's when those verses come up too you know when you're starting to pray and you're like lord i just don't even know what could be helpful and sometimes you're just quiet but other times the lord is like this is you know you you remember that verse and it's very applicable for that time and the, that yeah that has been amazing when the, the lord has done that usually it's from my devotions and i'll be sitting with somebody later that day or a couple of days later and because i write things down because i can't remember anything i'm like oh this is i just was in this the other day but because these things are never just for us mm-hmm. you know what we're learning mm-hmm. for the lord. they're mm-hmm. always to be poured out and so if we as like workers in the ministry and counselors stop doing the discipline of like devotion and studying god's word like 
we're really hindering not just us, but the people that we're supposed to be pouring into as well. Yeah. Because I can't tell you how many times I've sat with somebody and I'm like reading in Revelation. Like that doesn't really speak to a lot yeah. of people all the yeah. time. Yeah. But a couple of times it has. And I'm like, listen, this this verse the Lord had just given me and it was completely for her. Yeah. And I wouldn't have had it had I not been going through that at the time. Well, maybe, maybe the Lord would have given it to me. Yeah. But it was just right there. Because yeah. I was in my devotions. It could be a bit nerve wracking if someone says, I have a, a word for the Lord from and Revelation. You. And it's a, Turn with me to Revelation. <laughs> and it's so, yeah. And well, and in Portuguese, so I was, you know, missionary in Brazil, but the book of Revelation is called Apocalypse. Like, uh-huh, yeah. And you're like, it's even worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so any any like final thoughts, like the things that you wish more more preachers knew? Like, like you've, you know, we have kind of the some resources that you you've mentioned applied care for trauma we'll have a mm-hmm. link in the description like what else what else is like a a book that you wish more more preachers were aware of is there a a podcast like how how can we sort of have this more and more like in our back burner i hate mm-hmm. to say it like that but you know amongst yeah. the other responsibilities that we have what's something that preachers can put into their minds and hearts that will help them in this area um, well, one of the first things I think about is just really knowing the Psalms mm-hmm. and uh, using those applicably. Um, there's a book called The White Umbrella, I think. I don't I don't remember who it's written by. It talks a lot about like sex abuse. Yeah. Um, and I think even like human trafficking things. There's a book I'm reading now in school. It's secular, but it's really helpful. It's really easy and simple. It's called um, Psychological First Aid by... Jacobs. Okay. Um, and I like, and you know, you take caution with that one, but it's really applicable because it has these, just these little things we've been talking about, like how to be a good listener. Mm-hmm. Like it's very easy, descriptive, like how to be a good active listener, um, how to apply, you know, this first psychological first aid for people that are in immediate trauma crisis and crisis. Um, and what does these different, what do you do in the different traumas? So things that, Pastors will probably walk through a little bit, maybe not all of the things in that book, but I've really liked it. It's been really, really helpful. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the stuff, it, you know, it's amazing. Like for the Christian worker, it seems a little bit more natural because our hearts are bent on loving others and helping. And so ministering in this way doesn't seem like so strange. Sure. You sure. know, yeah. like there's empathy, there's compassion, there's hope. There's a calm spirit, like all of these things are talking about in creating, you know, this environment for helping the traumatized victim. And I kind of see that as for pastors and leaders, too. So that book, Psychological First Aid by Jacobs, Jacobs is the last name. Um, That was good. That was a good one. And we'll, yeah, we'll link all those in the show notes. Well, Krista, thanks. Um, Kind of the last question that every episode ends with. is how are you currently trying to grow as a as a Bible teacher? Yeah. So we've been introduced to your first time, uh, yeah, Psalm, Psalm one thirty nine with the cracking voice and crying. Yeah, so much crying. <laughs> um, I think it's helped. I've been doing it more. <laughs> yeah, and I um, so I feel like because I found my voice in it, mm-hmm. and I'm more confident in what the Lord's wanting me to say. It doesn't mean I don't get nervous, but um, that has helped. That has helped a lot. So practice and just being real, 
has helped a lot and not kind of going outside of my area of knowledge. Like, you know, I don't okay. know the Greek. I yeah. don't know all of these things. So I'm not even going to try. You're not going to pretend that you I'm do. not going to pretend because <laughs> yeah. it just is fake and everybody can tell. And um, so, and then, like I said, just listening to different messages has really helped me too, because I'm able to like piece together things that I think is really important and, and then put my spin on it. Yeah. So teaching the Bible, sharing my experiences in that, like if I have any, you know, and just kind of testimony things like Elizabeth Elliot does and then sharing the gospel and um, it's still, I'm still growing in it. Yeah. So that's what I've learned so far. So tomorrow you're teaching. Yeah. Um, you're in town for a, a breaking new ground conference, ladies yes. conference. So you're teaching tomorrow. Are you trying anything new tomorrow? Well, what have you added to your talk that you yeah. want it to be better? I, this time it's more stories. Okay. So your wife, Rachel, was saying that the Irish, they love stories and personable things. I'm like, great. So this is a really actually a little bit different because it's more of, I'm teaching one of the main sessions on stepping out, like stepping out in faith. Okay. Yeah. Our family has a big history of that, my husband and I and my kids. And so it's more of like a testimony sharing with verses that the Lord has given me in how we've stepped out. So it's, that's really different because it's not like a Bible study. Okay. It's more of a applicable. So I am a little nervous about yeah, that. Yeah. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see. Hopefully it'll, it'll be inspiring and hopeful to people. Yeah, that's great. Well, thanks for modeling for us that you're, you're trying to, yeah, to even grow now. So yeah, 14 years sure. in, you still want to improve and everyone so who's, for that. Everyone who's listening, we all, we're listening to this because we want to get better. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks for that. Hey, Krista, would you mind uh, praying for us? Sure. I think that'd be, that'd be nice. Yeah. Maybe there's some new concepts that some people have just learned. And um, maybe some of us are super aware and we just are feeling our inadequacies and want to do better. Okay. Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much for this time. I thank you for Pastor Mike here and his heart to to reach all these individuals listening, Lord, for your word, how to grow and grow um, in teaching your word and sharing your word. I thank you, Lord, that um, you're not done with us. You're not done with us and what we can learn from you and how we can apply it. And I just pray, Lord, that this concepts of trauma, of crisis, and brokenness, Lord, that whoever's listening that is struggling with it, Lord, that you'll just speak to them in a very intimate way, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you, you just bring more and more workers that have the heart to, to help these individuals, to equip them, Lord. And so I do just pray that more churches will want to know how to do this and do it well, God. I thank you for all the resources that you've given us, Lord. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the people like David and Job and Lord, just so many examples of how to walk through just fiery trials, Lord, and what that means. And so, Lord, we just ask you to use our sufferings, use our brokenness so that we can be poured out more and more for these others that are hurting, Lord God. Amen. Yeah, amen. Yeah, amen. Amen. So, there are ways for you to sponsor or to get involved with Applied Care for Trauma, Dia Gratia Ministries, Expositors Collective, Calvary Global Network. Uh, there's links for all of those in the show notes for this episode. I hope you're having a great December and I appreciate your interest, 
your attention, your ears. I know there's a lot of things that are competing for our attention these days, and I'm just so thankful that you are putting time into growing in your personal study and public proclamation of God's Word. We're glad to help. I'll catch you next Tuesday for another episode of the Expositors Collective Podcast. Hi, I'm Aaron Salvato. And I'm Cody Nunes. This Giving Tuesday, we're inviting you to join CGN in our mission that's transforming lives. At CGN, we're committed to raising up Bible teachers through Expositors Collective, empowering women in ministry with When She Leads, and planting new churches through Cultivate. We're also passionate about encouraging pastors and leaders with our Connect initiative, hosting impactful conferences and providing insightful articles on calvarychapel.com. Through CGM Media, we've got podcasts and a huge variety of resources. We're equipping leaders and Christians globally. Your support helps us continue these vital efforts. We're a small team doing big things. So this Giving Tuesday, your contribution can help make a significant difference. Support the work of Calvary Global Network this Giving Tuesday. You can visit cgn.org slash give to donate. Or you can text your donation of any amount to 84321. Together, we can spread the gospel across the world.